0: Suze has joined us all the way from London this morning to come and speak to us. I met her for the first time last night, but um, Rue and I know her husband, who is currently leading their service at their church in London, from university, so about 20 years ago. Um, and it's our great pleasure to have her this morning. I'm sure that you will be blessed as she shares her, some of her story and some of her heart for adoption and fostering, and some of her heart for, of God's heart for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. It's really lovely to be here. It's especially lovely to not be here with my children. My husband is probably shouting at them at this very moment. Um, As Liz said, my name is Seuss, and I am American, but I've lived in London for about 10 years, and I grew up in the Vineyard Church, but I was imported into Anglicanism by my husband, so it's especially lovely to be here with my Vineyard brothers and sisters. Thank you for that opportunity. I'd love to ask you a question. Who knows you best? Who is it who knows you better than anybody else? Your good bits, your bad bits, your grumpy in the morning bits, who knows you? Is it your spouse, best friend, son, daughter, partner? Who knows you? Um, I'm married because of a moment of knowing. Um, Many, many, many moons ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop with um, an incredibly awkward young man, and he was making a joke about someone he fancied, and I didn't rise to the challenge, the bait of that joke. And apparently, he had a moment where he he thought to himself, she knows me better than anyone else. Um, And then he was weird for several weeks, and then we started dating, and here we are now. But there was that moment, that moment of thinking, she knows me better than anyone else. And how precious that felt. I want to talk to you today from a psalm. It's my favorite psalm of all. And if I had to name this psalm, it would be being known. And that's Psalm 139. If you have um, digital Bibles or anything out, you can take that out there. We'll have it up here on the screen. And I'm going to read it out to you. It's a bit long, but just enjoy it. These psalms were written for a congregation together to be listening to, much like we've worshipped here now. And as I'm reading it, notice that there are four really distinct sections within the psalm, and we'll dig into that a little bit later. So let's... Read Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my goings out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before, you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Amen. Let's just pray quickly. Holy Spirit, fill this place. My words be your words and draw us close to you as we learn more about you now, Jesus. Amen. I love that psalm. It's one of my favorites. It is the first piece of scripture of very few that I ever memorized. And it has come back to me in my life over and over again. Have any of you guys, did any of you study um, English in your GCSEs or A-levels or university? Anybody out there, literature people? A few, a few. Well, I, I studied a lot of that when I was growing up. And one of the things that still echoes in my head from my teachers over the years was to find out who is talking in a piece. Who is the narrator? Who is speaking? And in this psalm, It's really clear. This is a personal psalm. This is about me. This is about the first person. Verse 1, Oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. And then in verse 13, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is an I psalm. This is a psalm that all of us can read in first person for ourselves. But it's not just about me, it's about God as well. Capital Me, capital G. You have searched me. You know me. You know when I sit. You perceive my thoughts from afar. This psalm is God and me, you and God coming together I remember a time in my life when I felt so clearly that God and me, God perceiving my thoughts from afar, God speaking into my life. Um, I was in a car on a very mundane journey, and I was complaining to myself. Do you ever do that? You just realize you've been moaning a bit to yourself. And I was particularly moaning because I felt like I had been waiting for a long time. Um, I had always wanted to foster and adopt since I was a little child. I don't know why, but I had. And I was complaining to myself that I hadn't been able to start that yet. And I was a bit grumpy and ignoring the person who was next to me, um, really in myself. And there was a moment when I knew that God had heard my thoughts. He had perceived them from afar and I felt like God said to me, what are you waiting for? And immediately I could list off the things that I was waiting for. I was waiting to be married because I was single. I wasn't dating anyone. I was waiting to have a better paying job. I was quite a low paid teacher at the time. And I was waiting to have a home of my own because I was in a flat share with four other ladies. And And I sort of poured those things out. And again, I I knew God had heard me. And I felt like God said to me, I never promised you any of those things. And that moment was the moment that changed my life. Because I knew that God had heard me. He knew my thoughts from afar. And that I could step forward in this really crazy thing and begin the process of becoming a single, 25-year-old foster parent. And I did. And I'll tell you more about that later. But that moment of being known, that moment of God speaking to me after hearing my thoughts. And there are moments like that for all of us here, moments that we can all, all reach. And that's one of the things that this psalm is so special You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Let's go back to the psalm for a minute. As I I was reading along, you might have noticed those four distinct sections in the psalm. And the first one, well... If you look at the psalm as a whole, you can see that there's a top and a tail to the psalm. It's four distinct parts, but it's all brought together in one. The first verse, verse 1, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. And then the very last verse, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me and know me. That is what this is about. And we all want that, don't we? We all want to be known. We all want to have our inner beings known. Now, the idea of being known is, is quite confused in our modern society, and quite often it's confused with the idea of being famous. Is being known being famous? Albert Einstein said, it is strange to be known so universally and yet be so lonely. Marilyn Monroe said, It scares me. All these people, I don't know, sometimes they're so emotional. I mean, if they love you that much without knowing you, they can also hate you the same way. I have feelings too, I'm still human. All I want is to be loved for myself and for my talent." Tim Keller says, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. That's being famous. But to be known and not loved, that's our greatest fear. The idea of being known, ultimately, that is what we all want, if, if we could be confident that we weren't going to be rejected, if we could be confident that we were still going to be loved. To have no secrets, nothing hidden, Nothing to be embarrassed by, but still completely accepted. That is the dream. And yet here it is. Here it is in Psalm 139. And that first section is all about how God knows everything about us. He is all-knowing. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a day of my life was there, you knew about it even the words on our tongues, God does know. He knows everything. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He knows what you thought about when you woke up, what you, why you chose what you did to wear, what you're going to eat for breakfast, unless you're like me, holding out for the donuts, what you will eat for breakfast. <laughs> he knows where you're going to be tomorrow. And... He will be with you there, says, you hem me in behind and before. And that image, that hemming in behind and before, it's the image of how you would cup something very fragile, like a butterfly, something very carefully holding it in your hand to keep it safe. That is how God holds us. That is how he holds you. Now, if you find all that a little bit too intense, (laughs) a little bit, you know, too open, um, then you're not alone. I have trouble with that myself. I'm an introvert, and I really like to make sure things are perfect before they come out of my mouth. I'd much rather keep all of my mess, you know, packaged. (laughs) And David is the same way. He is also overwhelmed by this. He says in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I mean, maybe that was a little bit of sarcasm, wonderful, right? Um, Too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And if I'm honest with you, I don't know how comfortable I am all the time about being fully known. Every thought I have, every word I mumble under my breath, Every reaction I have to that person who got on my nerves, I mean, no thanks. (laughs) And if our first reaction to that is wanting to push away, wanting to hide, and go somewhere very far from that all-knowing, David is with us as well. He says, where could I go from your presence Where could I flee from your spirit? If I go down to the depths of the grave, you're there. He has that impulse to escape. He he knows, though, that God is going to be with him in all of that. And that impulse to flee, that's as old as time. That's as old as humans. What did Adam and Eve do? As soon as they realized, God knew what they had done. They hid, they fled, they ran away. And that is our original impulse as well, especially when we feel shame or guilt. We want to hide. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. There's this book that I really love, a children's book that we have at, at our home, and it's called, Mama, Do You Love Me? And it's this book where there's a mother and a child, and the child is asking the mother all the different, all kinds of different questions. And she begins it, and she says, Mama, do you love me? And the, the mother says, Yes, I love you. Of course I love you. And then the child says, What if I fell down and broke all of the eggs? Would you love me then? And the mother says, yes, of course I'd love you. And then the child pushes it a little bit further. What if I did something naughty? What if I put fish in your boots? Um, And the mother says, well, I would be cross, but I would still love you. And then it goes on, and the child says, what if I ran away? And I turned into a bear. Would you love me? And the mother, her love pushes through all of these things that the child keeps offering up. The child is, is thinking, What if I'm bad? What if I do mean things? What if I am become a monster? Will you still love me? And in all of that, the mother says, I will love you. And she comes after the child. She follows the child into the mountains, into the caves, always with that love for her child. And that's what we have in our Father. That is what we have in our God. Where could I go from your Spirit? Even there you are with me. Even at our worst. Because the answer is yes. Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. At that moment, those moments when we think we are most deserving of rejection, most deserving of hate. God is there holding us fast. And that's because not only is he all-knowing, he is all-present. And that's the second section of this psalm, talking about how he is always with us, all-present. And I love the echoes that we find of this psalm in Romans 8:38, Paul says in that, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're going to skip the third section. We're going to go straight to the fourth section. We'll come back to that third section in a minute. We've got a God who is all-knowing. He is all-present. And then we come to the fourth section, and it's about God being all-holy. Now, this section is a bit... Awkward, particularly for you know our Britishness. You read the psalm, and and it's quite warm and fuzzy until this section. You know, you know me, you love me, yay! And then you come to this section where he says, you know, I abhor my enemies, destroy them, and and he's really full of rage and he's really full of anger. And there's a lot we could unpack in this section here. We don't have time for that, but just a couple of thoughts. To, to help you think about this section. Have you ever been in a, in a really dark room and then you go out into the, the bright light and you, for that minute, you just, you, you can't see because the contrast is so great. David, the author of this psalm, is so close to his understanding of God being all-knowing, all-powerful, this incredible God that he just, the contrast is too big for him as he looks at the people who do not love God, as he looks at those who are far from God. And he has this response that's really human. And it's really extreme, but it's also really comforting because I have some extreme responses in my life. don't know about you, what you whisper under your breath when, when you're really full of rage. Um, but I've, I've said some choice things in my life, and, and it's human. And God knows. He perceives my thoughts from afar, the good ones and the bad ones. And David has that comfort in this psalm where he can pour out his nastiness. He can just throw it up. You know when you, you're so sick and, and you just, you've got to get it out? This is what it's like in this section. He says all these really strong, really, really rageful things. And then there's this peace that seems to come over David. He pours it all out. And then you can can see he's almost just resting in it. And he just says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. He has that confidence that God will love him in the midst of his horribleness, in the midst of what he has poured out in that anger. Let's look at that third section that we skipped again. This section is the bit for me that has really ripped me apart over the years, particularly verse 13. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. As I mentioned at the beginning, I've always wanted to uh, adopt from when I was a young child. My parents fostered two little girls when I was a teenager, um, one who had very high needs from um, drug exposure and one who was a really typical little baby. Um, But my heart, I wanted to adopt and foster. And... um, And it is my joy that I am part of an adopted family now. Uh, But there is one thing that really makes me sad about about being an adopted mum, and that is about how much we've lost as a family. Um, Our eldest is um, Kaylee, and she's almost 13 now. Um, But she was six days old when she came to me as a foster parent, and I don't know what happened in those six days before. I don't know what happened when her mom was pregnant. Those things are lost to me. And so I come back to that verse. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I have comfort because I know that, that God knit my daughter together in her mother's womb. I know that he was there planning those days for her life. So after I had that conversation with God where I was complaining to him and he said to me, um, what are you waiting for? I felt like it was, it was a permission for him that I could wait, wait is fine, there's nothing wrong with waiting, but that I didn't have to. So I began the process of becoming a foster parent. And um, there were a lot of hoops to jump through, and um, it was pretty crazy, and I had a lot of people lovingly discourage me. Um, I had one lady say to me, well, you'll kiss your dating life goodbye, um, which was really encouraging, but but I, I, I pushed on through that, and... There was one particular time where um, I was at work. I was um, teaching in the equivalent of a children's centre, and I was at work with one particular little girl, and she and I were cleaning up a mess, and she said to me, really out of the blue, she said, um, I had a dream about you last night. And I um, you know, was making conversation. Children say a lot of random things. Oh, what was your dream? And she said... Um, Well, in my dream, you went to the hospital with your sister to get a baby. And I said, okay, um, fine. Um, Because her mama just had a baby, so, you know, babies were on her mind, and she, you know, thought babies popped out all over the place. Um, But she knew I wasn't pregnant because she had asked everyone, including the, you know, pot delivery man, whether um, he was pregnant So she knew I wasn't, and she knew you had to be pregnant to have a baby. Um, So I said, okay, well, what did the baby look like? And she said, "Um, it was a brown baby. And I said, okay, and went on. And I wrote it down, and I um, told a couple of friends um, about it. But I didn't really think much about it. I, I, at the time, interpreted it as um, God basically saying, I'm with you in this process. I'm, I'm with you, I know your heart, I know you want to be a mom, and, you know, sort of a vague comfort. And, and I went on from then. And I continued the process, and... There was one day when I was at work, and I was at lunch, and I got this phone call. And I wasn't even approved yet as a foster parent. I still had to do a physical, because in America you have to pay a lot of money just to see a doctor. Thank you, NHS. Um, and I got this phone call, and it was a social worker, and she said, we've got a baby for you. Can you pick her up tonight? Um, and I was 26 by that time. I was, there was nothing in my life for babies <laughs> at that time. And I ran home, and I had a small group meeting at my house last night, and I was like, sorry, guys, I'm getting a baby. And, um, but they still came to my house anyways, and... And I went to the hospital, and um, I went with my sister, and I picked up this baby, and she was a brown baby, and I didn't even realize it at the time. But several months later, I looked back on that, and do you know that dream was eight months before Most people don't even know they're pregnant when they are four weeks pregnant. Most people don't even know. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And that can feel like such a warm and fuzzy thing. But God knew about my daughter. He knew. And he didn't just know. He told a five-year-old in a dream who remembered it the next day, who remembers their dreams. And she told me. And when the adoption papers went through, my daughter's middle name was Alana, which is the name of that little girl, because it is a reminder that God knew. He knew me. He knew my daughter. He knew our family, and he knew the days of her life and how we were going to be intertwined. so maybe those six days before I met her that pregnancy maybe it wasn't lost after all because God knew he knew and he wanted to tell me that he knew you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made and here's the thing That promise is for you. That promise is for every one of you here. Who knows you better than anyone else? Who knows your bad bits, your good bits, your fearfully and wonderfully made bits? Who knows? God knows. And He knit you together and He brought you here. And no matter where you are today, whether you are in the depths of the grave, emotionally, whether you feel like all you can do is run away because it's too much. You don't want to be known. That is too much. He is there with you. He is here with you.